Hey, hey, Podnazians. Welcome to the Mini PC Show, episode 128. This show is brought to you by all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we are ad-free on purpose, no accident there. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Mark Darthorn. And I say this week's episode because our goal really is to put out a show once a week. Um, in short, l- work has been insane for me. After 25 years of working there, now all of a sudden it's absolutely insane. Uh, the home life is just busier than ever, but it should be settling back down. Thankfully, again, I'm not alone. I'm joined by Brett and Rich. Uh, how is everything going this week, to Rich? Oh, yes, me first. Okay. Tragic tragic uh, uh we got the wins and we got some losses uh, another hard drive bit the dust well i mean hard drive failures are inevitable the question isn't if they fail or when they fail the question is how prepared are you when they do fail and how quickly can you get stuff back up um uh, it's one of those things until it happens to you you really don't seem to pay much attention yeah yeah and i don't i wasn't running smart on tools either i i don't know if that would have helped me out maybe it would have uh so i'm gonna go over smartmon stuff the only thing that was valuable to me on that drive was the vm my vsphere instance i just gotta upload you know i gotta install new vsphere gotcha, so, gotcha. Uh, not not that big oh but the win well it's it's a it's it's a loss I, I was trying to build a cube set it came out a cylinder set oh lord okay um, um but uh, I, I think I, I had a better idea for how to make this, and th- this is my alpha prototype. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, how is everything going on your side, Brett? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, been working on some uh, home automation stuff. Had a, a video debut, I guess you could say, of uh, some of the stuff I've done for a company. Um, turned out really good. They uh, they seem to really like it. It's uh, It's relatively simple for now but uh, I plan on uh, doing a lot more with them. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and I said this to Brett pre-show, and I, and I really do think it's one of those utter truths. There's, you know, facts, there's truths and beliefs. There are three different, completely different things, okay? I think this is a truth. Every single second that passes, more normal, more straights, more people that don't know how technology even works are going to expect a level of automation around them. Whether it is on your phone, turning off your uh, smoker in the backyard, or doing automation in your uh, RV type vehicle. Um, so that's a benefit for him and for his use case and for his business thing of doing all this automation. But two, um, there's no doubt because of the technologies that are out there, it's open-ended to where, you know, open to all kinds of change. We are literally at the precipice of automation becoming a normal thing for everyone. And I'm sure um, every single week, every single month, you're going to get updates and upgrades that are going to allow you to do more things even easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, the ESP or Espresso uh, company, just they just keep coming out with more, you know, extremely inexpensive chips that... Uh, they can do just more and more. In fact, uh, there's a new one as of a couple of weeks ago that it can do um, USB host. So it can actually make anything a Bluetooth um, oh, uh, cool. HID. Yeah, it's uh, and it has a battery built into it. So you know, it has a ba- it has a plug for a battery. So you could literally plug any keyboard into it and make it a Bluetooth keyboard. Very nice. Yeah, That's and cool. um, if you notice. Everyone's talking about chip shortage, chip shortage. 
Yeah, ESP people yeah. keep just rocking it. Why? Because there is no chip shortage. That's the whole thing. There's a there's like a malfeasance in wanting to produce chips because the chip manufacturers want to move on to new generations. The uh, suppliers want to keep with the old generations kind of thing. So they're literally like fist fighting. And then you have people like Tesla who are ramping up orders exponentially. I'm sure Chromebook manufacturers are ramping up orders exponentially, but they're ordering old stuff. So it's a question of who's going to break first. Are they... Now, I did hear NVIDIA is supposedly spinning up old hardware to literally start making two to three year old video cards again but at the same retail price because people will buy it because there's a shortage everywhere. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes, it, it is. But look, you know, we're going to be fine in air quotes. Uh, the people who want in air quotes, you know, $3,000 computers or $90,000 cars, they're going to keep getting their stuff because, you know, they're paying the price for it. Uh, people like me, we're just going to have to take our seven year old newest laptop and make it last for another year or two. Yeah. Um, Personally, I like buildings. I like building things out of older hardware, um, except for uh, except for some of the pie stuff. It's it's really fun. That getting a price price increase was not fun. Yeah, um, not at all. But that did turn me on to the Odroid N2 Plus, which is a hexacore, four USB four, um, four gigs of RAM, and just a beast for like eighty eighty nine dollars at Ameridroid. So it's like Pi four cost. Or actually, a yeah. little less than Pi. It's less Pi yeah. four four gig cost. A little less than yeah. a Pi four four gig. Yeah. Because and you get a, a hexa. Yeah. A Pi four four gig is now going for what a Pi four eight gig went for. Yeah. Yeah. So and you know and it's a much much better system. A real time clock. It can do uh, has a built in heatsink. It can do uh, four USB three ports. Four USB three ports. Uh, full HDMI. Um, 4K, I think. Well, it has um, one HDMI port. I'm not going to knock it for that because that's I I use you know most single board computers I have. In fact, all of them are headless. So yeah, right. I, well, I, and I, I would any day of the week. I don't care what the form factor of my hardware is. I don't care what the processor is. I will always say, give me one full size HDMI port versus yeah. two of any other size HDMI port just because of the convenience factor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's uh, so I've got like one of my monitors over here. I've got a three-way connector on it. So I have a regular HDMI, a mini HDMI, and a micro HDMI depending on what I'm plugging into it at the moment. Yeah, and it's just it's not fun having to find the mini HDMI and the micro HDMI cable adapters or, you know, whatever you want, you know. Yeah, I yes. still feel, to be honest, that was the second stupidest decision Ebb and the Raspberry Pi people made in the last two years was to get away from full HDMI and use Mini. Yeah, I, well, all right, so the Pi Zero has a Mini and the Pi 4 has two micro. But you, I don't know that there's actually a way to stack two standard HDMI connectors, but if they did well, there that... Well, is, there is if you do a case. You could do the uh, the the N two K or the what is M two case from uh, Argon or something. It uh, it makes okay yeah those, it jacks those into two... it, so it's got yeah. like a daughter board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's you know that's the only way to do it right now to actually have two full size HDMI's. Gotcha. Um, a real quick question, Rich. You sent me a link to a video that you said you did not. 
push to the public. Did you push that to the public? What video was it? I don't even know at this point. Oh, where you were talking about the um, mini case, the um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, maybe the public. That, that's that, that's this project here I've been working on, and the video. So I show a stack. I, I don't have it handy that I can reach it and hold it up, but my idea is I'm building a Mac Pro trash can like. Um, whatever case for four Raspberry Pis and a five port switch. The one issue is the five port switch that I'm using in here uh, is no longer available. There, there might be another one that'll fit, but I was wondering, I, I kind of priced all of this stuff out. So like my cost on it, and that's not my time. So it would be more, it was like six fifty. So if I delivered, like four Raspberry Pis at four gigs of RAM, a switch, a Noctua fan, not this fan, this is just a, a test dummy. Um, power management. Uh, so basically, there would be just, I put the other parts away. So just be one Ethernet cable going in, one power cable going in. My cost alone would be in the 650 range. So the question is, how much money do you have to make on that? And let, let's just say 200 bucks is the right amount of money. I, you know, between printing costs, something like this, I might look, I might see if I can make a mold in injection mold stuff, because that might be cheaper uh, as far as time-wise than, than, than 3D printing it. Like, I could set up a print farm, but it might be quicker to um, make injection molds and actually do home injection molding of stuff. I don't know. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Brett, you, did you take a look at the video? Yeah, I did. Um... You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff being done with the uh, with the Pi the compute board the compute board. I think uh, if you could figure out how to put a bunch of compute boards that's, together that's like that, deal. yeah, I don't know the the schematic on that stuff. I, I'd have to take a look at it. it yeah, it's, it's it's not not easy, but and so there's um, I'm not sure if these cluster boards for compute modules. The compute module has to go on a carrier board and then plug into it. I think that's how it goes. I'm not real sure. Yep. Usually, yeah, but um, there are there is one that I was able to look at that had I think it was one compute module and it put in like 20 uh, PCIe slots. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was some ridiculously thing, ridiculous thing. But then there's the other ones that basically turn a compute module into a carrier board. Yeah, into like a Pi. Like you, yeah. something like this. Yeah, that, that plugs it, yeah. Yeah, it has the regular Pi ports. I've seen that also. Because right now, the only place, I think an 80 gig compute module, I'm sorry, 80 gig, 8 gigabyte of RAM compute module is like 90 bucks or less, and they're available. Whereas yeah. the Pi 4s with 8 gigs are like 115 or more, and are almost not available anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm. If it's it's it it's six, it, you know, it's it's not a not an easy thing to do, especially right now. Um, you know, I would I would look at the Razda, what the uh, Razda Zero is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. th that's been it's the it's the Pi Zero um, form factor, but it's a beast, and I have one, and right. I have the. Uh, Four gig, um, and then I have thirty-two gigs of EMMC on it. 
Oh, okay. And then uh, four gigs of RAM or four gigs? Four gigs of RAM for um, and thirty-two wow. gigs of eMMC, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and then uh, quad core. In so, how much is that going for? I think it was like forty-five or fifty-five. Really, really, that, that's yeah. super reasonable. But Ameridroid, I'm pretty sure is out of them right now. But they get them in every once in a while. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a. So it's like Pi Zero yeah. doesn't have an Ethernet port on it. Yeah, that's the only thing is you. But it has has USB three, uh, uh, USB USB C, mm-hmm. um, power and. Uh, so you could actually connect them through the USB-C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right now on Ameridroid, it does look like they are, well, they're they're expecting the next batch late December 21. So basically yeah. days from now, 4 gig of RAM, 32 gig EMMC, $55.95. 55, yeah, wow. that's what I paid um, for it. Where there is right now a savings where it's normally 60 bucks. Right. Um, so the cool part about that is you don't have to get a micro SD card for it. It has the EMMC on board. So super yeah, cool. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, it is built into it. So you, it's a weird way of booting it. You have to uh, you hold the little button, computer, hope it boots up right. And then yeah, it's, it's not bad, but it can be a little interesting. So what OS are you running on that? I have Lineage. I'm not lineage familiar with Android Lineage. On it. Lineage is the, uh, it's the old uh, CyanogenMod. Mon. Yeah. Okay. So it's and it's basically Android the way it should be. Mm. Yeah, of course, yeah, I'm I a big say, Diet Pie fan. Sorry, Dora, I cut you well, twice already. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Um, so the, here's the thing. In form factors where you can use Raspberry Pi Zero, you can use a raw Radaxa zero and literally like swap it in place form factor wise it's the same size port wise slightly different um and you can use um sd cards on it as well which is a big plus yeah and the same is also true if you want to use a raspberry pi for compute module you can use a Radaxa cm3 which is a swap in place exact same form factor as the compute module and again that thing is awesome more power, more functionality, more I.O., more RAM, more everything, because that's the thing. Now, what I'm hoping is, hypothetically, Rich, because me and you looked at it, and it was like everything involving compute modules was more money, more money, and then more money. So maybe, hypothetically, you build a really pretty-looking cluster, and you're using compute modules. When it comes time to upgrade maybe the overall price of just pulling out the compute module and putting a new compute module in might save you money in the long run, or maybe two upgrades later, you might actually end up saving money. There has to be a mm-hmm. place in my belief where you have to start saving money with compute modules or why in the hell would you buy a compute module? Yeah, no. And, and that, that's kind of, that's what draws me to the compute module for something like my, uh, uh laptop, my, uh, Remember the the next doc, so that would be an interesting thing if I can have a uh, just to upgrade the compute module in the laptop, and that's it. You know, I know I know they did that with the with the K four or the Raspberry Pi K four hundred or whatever it is. Um, but you know, the, I have a three hundred dollar laptop. It's a touchscreen, ten eighty p. That all I do is I plug whatever computer I want into it. You know, it can be my server. It can be my um, it's it's just awesome you know it's just it's it's able to actually load everything it's able to run any hdmi and audio and you know like i can plug my switch into it no problem 
hopefully my stream deck when I eventually have to break down and buy one. Gotcha, gotcha. So, oh, yeah. one more thing. Are, are we still on this topic? Because if we're ready to change. Your call. Um, yeah, I'm just pulling up Ameridroid and the Redaxa stuff. Ameridroid needs to sponsor us. I have no idea why they don't sponsor us. Okay, so. Well, I will say I did talk to one, to the main guy uh, years ago, and he insinuated there is enough money to sponsor anybody. But if we really did need an air quote hardware, that he had that we all we had to do was let him know and i'm like well we never need yeah. hardware but if you need to get rid of some hardware we're the people yeah yeah okay so i'm looking at at the redaxa stuff it's showing me the redaxa zero there's a rock 3a rock pi 4b plus rock pi 4b rock pi 4 model a the rock pi 4c is not there yet there is a 4c if i remember right and it is Awesome. It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a 4, 4C. Okay, so the 4B plus is 4 gigs. It looks like, can you get more than 32 gigs of RAM? Uh, it looks like 32 gigs of RAM. Look, all right, and my UI is not working. Right. Hey, 59, I'm sorry, 55.95, so used to the other. So 56 bucks, you're getting in the Raspberry Pi world, what would be 80 or 90 bucks? So yeah, oh, and, well, and it doesn't even exist in the zero form factor. Oh wait, yeah, and this is six core. So is this big little architecture? Are you talking about the N two or the? Uh, no, the Rock Pi four model B plus. Oh yeah, big little. So big little is for low power. It runs to uh lower cores. I guess the Cortex A fifty three. For the high power, there's a quad core A seventy two that runs up to two gigahertz. Nice. Looks looks like a good deal. What? Wait a second. Hold on. Hey, Dora, I'm, did we totally kick to the curb all the we do on preparing the spreadsheet? Um. No. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Where where did I wait a second? Onboard EMMC. Here it is. M2 SSD. There's an M2 connector on here. Yep. Dude. All right. Now now you're getting me to want to do a cluster of these guys. So here's the thing. Uh, cluster computing. I, I really could go two ways. My my bread and butter is a VMware. I like the idea of having an ESXi cluster running on my Raspberry Pis. I'd love it to be able to run on other ARM hardware like this. That would be fantastic. But you could do, you know, Docker Kubernetes kind of stuff also. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, I, I had a fail last night. I printed two-thirds of an ornament and it fell apart. But yeah, no fun. what I did is I tasmotized one of these. So this is an ESP. What is it, Brett? It's a, I always. 32. ESP32. That's ESP. Actually, I think those are ESP8266. 82, thanks. 8266. So I just want to say 286, and I know that's wrong. So 8266 in here. Um, I programmed it with uh, Tasmoto, reprogrammed it. So it's like Tuya is the generic brand name. Reprogrammed it with Tasmoto on it. Uh, I've got it running in um my home automation assistant but what i did do is on my octoprint which is octa i'm sorry octopi which is octoprint running on a raspberry pi as my print server there's a plugin for tasmodo so from the octoprint ui you can click on the screen 
and turn your printer on or off. And you can have it auto power off after the print is done. Very nice. So pretty excited about that. Yeah, no, that is that is neat. Um, the uh, the Tuya is actually coming out with a. They have an integration with Home Assistant that is a native integration straight with Tuya, and they're gonna actually make a local only mode. Dude, if they so go local only, I've I've heard that, and I'm like, dude, when are you coming yeah, out with that? They haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet, but they're getting close. Cause the, they just re, re they just redid their uh, their home assistant integration and they did it completely at home assistant specs, but they haven't done the uh, local only mode yet. All right. So the folklore is that the, the one of the reasons or the cost centers on this product is not them selling you the product, but that the product phones home and they get da usage data. But I'm like. You get usage data on this thing going on and off. What the hell could that mean to you? I don't see how that's marketable. You don't know whether, because I was using it to for the hot water kettle in the morning. I, I use it for the Christmas lights. Um, well, they've also what? done studies and uh, they've, they've, they've wire snipped it. Or they've wire sharked it and there is none, you know. So that that's just yeah. a myth that it's phoning yeah, home yeah. and there's part same, of. But same with Wise. Same with Wise. Oh yeah, same thing, same thing. I... with Deep in Linux. Same thing with you know a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's super easy to say something's phoning home once you wire shark something. Then, mm -hmm. then the conspiracy theorists would be like, "Ha, huh, that's just what they want you to think. Right. It's waiting for this secret ping <gasps> from this government, yes. and then it's yes. going to offload all of the data." Yes. No. Um, it's not worth it. You got to remember, you know, cost versus you know effort. It, you're like you said, they're going to get near useless information out of it. For them to take the time into putting near useless information in it, you're going to have to have like 55 of these things in everybody's house in the world, and then it might be worth your effort. Yeah. So, um, I gonna shift topic a little bit. Wise, I, I, if I told you how much I like Wise and how much love I have for that company, I, I'd probably go on for the rest of the show. So here's the sad part. Um, Chatter on the Wire and I both got the WiseBud Pro. And a little bit longer story, ended up with two pairs. And with each pair, I had the same result. The playtime was about two hours. Where, uh, what? The, so the WiseBud Pro, hours. two hours. And it has a noise canceling mode, which they claimed 40 dB. So technically, that would be good enough for me to go to an outdoor shooting range and not wear foamies or anything like that, just have the wise buds in my ear and shoot. Um, I they, they lasted for two hours. I couldn't tell the noise-canceling mode was on or off. And there's a transparency mode, which I realistically couldn't tell much of a difference between any. And I am not an Apple fanboy. But when my daughter let me try out her um, AirPods, I was like, "Holy Christmas! These are the greatest yeah. things ever." I, I do, I do hate to admit it, but the uh, the AirPods do the best noise cancellation. But the right. uh, the Sony um, the WX one thousand fours do the absolute best sound. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, speaking of sending home data, I'm just saying, not necessarily, but. It was revealed that in the last, uh, it was 2017, I want to say, 
Tim Cook, Apple, made a deal with China worth over $260 billion that Apple would be super nice and friendly to the Chinese government and super friendly to the Chinese industrial complex and make sure that they buy things from China to help support China as long as you let us sell our phones and hardware inside of your country. Hmm. So if you want to talk about people sending data to places and let's just say cooperating with, you know, governments that have been known to do, you know, like human atrocities and, you know, stuff, then, yeah, maybe that's the company to focus on. And and this (laughs) is something, if you spun me up on this topic, I would not stop. But we we don't want to talk politics here. Uh, Well, it's it's too easy, the thing. Now, here's the thing, Rich. Some wireless earbuds can get over-the-air updates or updates from your computer. Is there any indication that Wise might be able to send updates? And I say that because I spend like 20 bucks on my earbuds which are QCY earbuds, which are literally show me earbuds that have been in, in production for like, you know, eight years. This little thing gets me four hours plus, and it's actually closer to five and a half hours of battery life. And it's nothing special. Um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know why you got such bad battery life. I usually get four or five hours out of my wise. Do you have noise cancellation turned on? Always. I would turn the <laughs> noise canceling off all, all the time. And I would still get two hours. I, I have no idea what was going on. Yeah. I, I don't know. I It doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. If I would get anything with two hours battery life, I would freak out because I can't do nothing in two hours. And so my, let's see, where are, are they here? Oh, here they are. So these are my Empow Jaws. I think these are like 20 or 30 oh, bucks. Yeah. And for the most part, I like them. Um, my new phone, I got the Note 20 Ultra. And it doesn't have a jack. I'd rather, I'd rather be hardwired, seriously, because I don't have to worry about batteries or anything or one falling out my yep. ear and I can't find it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I right now have technically three pairs of earbuds. My Lenovo's, I can't find the other one, but I'm like, any day, I don't want to throw them away because I'm going to find it sooner or later. And then I have two pairs of these Show Me QCY Q1 earbuds because the one set of buds the case does not hold a charge or deliver a charge. The other case does. So I cycle the two back and forth while, so I have technically four earbuds, which is like, you know, a whole easily a whole day's worth of battery without worrying about it. And, and you know what? As I, I have the wise watch that I laugh every time I think about the wise watch. Cause it's what? 20, 30 bucks. It gives you 10 days of battery. Yeah, super life. cheap. You, you know, in who cares if, you know, I've already got my 20 bucks out of it, so I could care less what happens to it from now on. I miss my Pebble. <laughs> yeah. I had a Pebble Time, the color screen. I got 14 days battery life, and it was just awesome. All right, so watch-wise, this is going to be the Christmas show. I would like to get a high-end Garmin watch, because those things are good for, like, a dozen-plus days, maybe two dozen days. Yep. And hopefully I still have a friend that can get me a discount. Yep. So Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but but that is on my wish list when when I have dough coming in, which isn't now. Um but I love Wise. I, I like their products. I, I have a Wise Cam in the garage. I'm loving that. I also love that they're like, hey, you can use our service. I'm I'm paying like a dollar a month for their AI service to detect people. 
And if I want to use it direct because I have local AI capability for security cameras, I can just do an RTSP feed. You know, they're like, hey, here's the firmware. Do it yourself. I'm like, very cool. That's on the uh, version two, right? Um, I think, I don't know if I have, yeah, I think there's a version three out. I Is think it... I have the version two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's only the, for the version two. Because yeah. I think originally they were doing local AI on on the camera itself. Yeah, and I think that. Yeah. Um, I I think that was a little difficult for that, but also the wise thermostat. Oh, all right. So let let me get to. I'm getting to a point. I thought it was my mistake. It was absolutely my. I thought my system was compatible with the wise. It wasn't. And you know, no problem, they took it back. No, no problem on the return. Same thing on the earbud. I got the WiseBuds Pro. I, I don't. I think it was like return within thirty days. I've had them sixty days. Some, I've more time than I should have been allowed to return them. I said, hey, I need to return these. No problem. They sent me a shipping label. Gave me full credit. The credit came through today. So definitely a good company. In in. I'm I'm hoping they have a killer product. I wish them all the best in the world. What I'm saying to you is, hey, use them, try them. If it doesn't work, they've they've got a super good policy. Um, definitely give them a shot. Don't don't take my bad experience as a negative. I I got the watch, love it, laugh all the time when I wear it. I actually got the same uh, wristband for it that I have on my Galaxy. What is this S3 Frontier? Got the same wristband for it. Love, love the watch um, and love the camera. And they got a couple more products out there. So definitely check wise.com out, W-Y-Z. Yeah, I have the, uh, I actually have the, the, the downlight. Um, I was, I was able to get one of the, the, uh, I pre-ordered that and it's a pretty good downlight. Um, Bluetooth with a, with a little, like a little button that you can, um, it's a wireless button that you can twist to dim it. And then you can hit the button and it'll turn it on and off and put that anywhere it's got a little magnet on it and it's pretty nice oh, cool very cool yeah the way i'll describe wise to the people out there is they're not a huge insane company okay when you're not a huge company like an amazon like a tesla like a ge uh the qa can only be so good on stuff you cannot make perfect products where you can guarantee you can print 10,000 of these things and they're going to be perfectly identical. You can't when you're a company that's not huge. Number one. Number two, we all who have been involved with tech know people with what I call hard drive paralysis. You, you know a guy who says, I will never in my life buy a Seagate drive again, or I will never buy a Western digital drive again, or I will never buy a Fitzjitsu drive again, or whatever, because they had that one bad experience. But when we hear those other people say that, we then have to realize, well, wait, I've been using Fujitsu for like 20 years and I've never had a problem because perfection is unobtainable. Okay? Once in a while, companies will put out products that aren't exquisitely pristine. But I will say every single person I know who's, ex who's had experiences with the company of Wise has had good experiences. And most of the people who buy Wise products have had very good experiences with their products. So I'm a guy who says, uh, if you want to give them a shot, more than likely you're going to be extremely happy. And I'm going to guarantee it. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Just like I'm not going to guarantee the next thing that Elon Musk shoots up off a rocket won't explode. It could. Although I do have one um, one camera better than the Wise. Granted, it is thirty nine dollars, but it is 
a 2K and ships with RTSP. Cool. Um, it is, you know, the wise cameras are great. Don't get me wrong. Does this camera have night but, vision also? Yeah, night vision, everything. Um, it is an EU fee, EUFY, and uh, it's it's just a, a very good camera. Um, but it is an indoor only, supposedly. Although mine's been outdoor for about six months now, and uh, rain shine, you know, like it's been outdoor, no not in direct rain. Because I'm like, ooh, would that fit under the eaves? Would that be good? Oh yeah, no direct rain. Serious Actual direct rain. Oh yeah, killing me. That's too much. Yeah. So, but it's a 2K camera, which is really nice. The one thing that I do that I found out the hard way is if you steal a wise camera, you can look at all the videos. Ooh. On the SD card, mm-hmm. on the UFIs or UFIs or whatever, they are formatted to X, uh, EXT4 and encrypted. Cool. Very nice. So if you steal that camera, you're not seeing what's on that camera. That's cool. But don't get me wrong, the Wise cameras are great. Yeah, I, I don't have Wise outdoor camera. I, I have a Wise camera in my garage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because these since these send out the RTSP, they're actually what I'm going to use on next on the on the vans to do uh, um, um, on-site person detection uh, inside the van. So and so my issue right now, and boy, Brett, maybe maybe I need to talk to you as on a sidebar. So I'm running Frigate NVR, and I have uh, eight hardwired camera that are uh, 1080p. And for some reason, the car that's been parked there for four days, all of a sudden I'll say, car, 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 car. It's like, dude, that's the same car that's been there for, you know, four days, hasn't moved. And so the AI starts sending me, like, if I use push bullet, all of a sudden, you know, three days into it, I'm through my 500 free messages a month. I want it to say, oh, that's a car, but it's been there forever. We're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because you have Frigate with the uh, with the um, Google Coral, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a way you can mess with that, but I can't remember it offhand. Yeah, I I need to um, either that or I need to group messages. So like, if I I have it, I took out car detection. I'm only doing people detection. So if I walk out my front door, one camera sees me. If I walk out and immediately turn around and come back in, so we're talking like a three seconds of a person being, I'll get seven messages. Yeah, you need to put a delay. You need to put a timeout after. Yeah, I I don't know how to do that. I got to figure that out. Yeah, you can you could have a, a reset. Um, have so there's got to be wait, a condition on the know? automation that does the alert to push. Yeah, bullet. yeah, yeah. I've tried it. If, I if, must if have the, done it wrong. We all do them wrong. Yeah, and it looks like possibly the price now everything including everything involving cameras seems to never go down in price for like the last six years. I don't know why. Um, even though you know my, my same webcam that I'm using right now, I bought three years ago for seventy bucks. It's now the exact same model, no revision upgrades. It's now eighty bucks. Um, it looks like possibly this Ufi cam went up in price to thirty nine dollars. It looks like possibly. Um. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Thirty nine, yeah. Which is incredibly fair, is what I'll say. Um, because it's really difficult to get, you know, solid hardware where you don't have to worry about it. you just literally plug it up and forget it when it comes to cameras, because here's the whole gimmick, real quick. People want to use Android phones as webcams. Okay. 
we're going to go back to like QA kind of thing. <laughs> this camera in this device in any phone is never meant to be on for more than like 30 seconds to maybe three minutes at the most. If you have this thing on 24 seven, you are going to kill the phone or kill the battery or kill something in this device. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, literally if you have like a drawer full of old Android phones and you don't care, go ahead and use them as webcams. Cause you're going to kill them. Yeah. Okay. And I will make sure that that link is in the notes. Um, I did have three, what I'm going to call obvious things to talk about because they're involving the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Um, because you know, Raspberry Pi Foundation. Um, two of them are operating system related. Uh, the first one is that the Bullseye Debian OS got released. Um, it isn't perfect, but it is new. On certain things, it is definitely more efficient, more quicker, more up to date. The good news is if you install it now, you're going to get really good long-term support. Okay. The bad news is if you install it right now, you're going to lose some native camera support that the old um, Debian Raspbian uh, uh, um, was good at. And on some instances, people are getting worse direct video playback if you choose to use your Pi device as a desktop. So with that stated, they also released a new old legacy version of the operating system where if you still need that um, camera support, for like the official Raspberry Pi camera support with the old Python type code, you need to install the old legacy version of the operating system. Um, or if you demand to have right now desktop like experience running, uh, you know, like 1080p, 60 frames a second playback, then you're going to need to run the legacy system. Um, the most boring thing in the universe to talk about is Debian upgrades because it goes from incredibly rock solid stable to rock solid stable that will become incredibly rock solid stable kind of thing. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is in my humble opinion, the constant erosion of ethics and, um, community spirit when it comes to raspberry Pi foundation. And I thought about this for a while. So, um, you know, this isn't like I'm saying it's off the cuff. Um, raspberry Pi started out as the way to empower the third world to take people in the middle of the jungle with no education, little power, little running water, and you could build them a school system using modern software infrastructure for pennies on the dollar. You could set up entire classrooms for like less than 200 bucks. Okay. That was how they started. And the hobbyist, the graybeards picked it up and they said, well, we can do all this other stuff. We can make mini game consoles. We mm -hmm. can make magic mirrors. We can make digital signage. We can do all this other kind of stuff. We can make portable pineapples to hack Wi-Fi. We can mm -hmm. do all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. It's all cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's fan diddly tastic. But then we have the Raspberry Pi Foundation making incredibly stupid decisions like too many HDMI ports. Who in the hell in the third world is hooking their Raspberry Pi up to two monitors? Like Especially that. 4K monitors. Yeah, nobody. Okay, number one. Um, then they put out. Ex they supposedly put out five pieces of hardware last year. No, they didn't. They put out one. Different form factors of the same hardware. Okay, incredibly lazy is what I'm gonna say. Then they put out hardware that is just lacking. You know what I mean? They don't have enough USB 3 ports compared to other devices. They don't have enough RAM versus other devices. They don't have onboard storage like other devices. They don't even have an on and off button for God's sake. What year is this? 
Do I have to go out back and spin a thing to get water out of the ground or something? Okay, now with that said, they then decide to do what, in my humble opinion, is the complete Apple maneuver. The rumor is, next year, we're going to have an IPO for the Raspberry Pi Foundation, which cements they're in it for the money. Broadcom is behind them. It might be Ebb, it might be this British guy who has bad teeth and drinks tea, whatever. It's actually Broadcom. Raspberry Pi, as a hardware foundation, does not exist. It's Broadcom, okay? They own all of the intellectual property that makes Raspberry Pi what it is. So now they're going to do an IPO, which means third world countries are not going to be able to base infrastructure off of this device anymore. Instead, you're going to have elitist snob hobbyists who can't remember their gardener's name creating hardware around this form factor. So they're going to now start to obfuscate community in layers to where you're going to start to see people who are literally like just out of school working at, you know, at like a convenience store. They're not going to be able to afford to buy a Raspberry Pi thing to do their little hacker project of doing the water sensing when their, you know, um, stuff leaks. They're going to have to go with a Redaxa or a Pine or something else just because of cost sake. And I'm okay with that. So I'm saying right yeah, now. Yeah, I am too. I was just going to. You beat me to it. Yeah. So it, it's 2021. Okay. Humans are horrible at predicting anything. Oh, my. Here's my prediction. Uh, by 2026, Raspberry Pi Foundation will have like one-tenth of the community support as they have now. And we're literally going to have people like Orange Pi getting support, Pine getting support, mm -hmm. Redaxa getting support, Banana getting support. And then all of these people making these one-off Intel micro uh, boards as well, they're going to get a wealth of support. And the good thing is, all that's going to do is lower the barrier of entry to a 16-year-old kid who stumbles across a YouTube video showing how to do some sort of mini home automation, some mini home server infrastructure, or some portable computer in your pocket kind of thing. And we as a community are not going to have to rely on the company called Broadcom to give us hardware to make us happy. Well, in, in, you, you did kind of say my point was going to be maybe it's time for Raspberry Pi to move on. They, they, they invented a completely new uh, ecosystem, a single board computer that actually could run two monitors at a desktop. Now, which, which is exactly, I think when the Pi 4 came out, you even said this, that this is not the, you know, heart of Africa computer. This is the gray beard behind his desk computer. And, you know, they still have Pi Zero. So the Pi Zero can be many things to many people. Um, it's it's kind of yeah, but the Pi Zero Two still has 512 megabytes of RAM, DDR2. Yeah, yeah, I, they they could do better on that. Yeah, they did the system in in processor, I think system in processor. Yeah, and it's just they said they couldn't do it. They couldn't do more than 512. But you know, then do two, do one with the system and processor, and do one with yeah. It's it's just not. Not not a good way of doing it. Yeah, I, I really wish they had a Pi Zero with the spec of, you know, a Pi 4. A Pi 4, like 1 gig, 2 gigs of RAM, something like that. That that would be perfect. Well, well look at the uh, Radza, whatever it is. I yeah. mean, that's that's the, the exact thing that you're looking at. Well, and to me, the biggest difference in the two are Raspberry Pi Foundation is obviously now 
profit driven. Yeah. Redaxa wants to become popular. So they're going to yeah. they're they're going to shave some of the profit off. They don't have to worry about physical stores. They don't have to worry about paying people to do blog posts. They don't have to worry about sending out free units to make sure people on YouTube give them positive reviews. They don't have to worry about all this kind of stuff. They just have to worry about making people happy. And that's the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm probably still going to buy the next Raspberry Pi. But again, they're too stupid to put out a Raspberry Pi on March the 14th. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I know in some ways they're idiots, but can they be that stupid to not understand Pi Day and Raspberry Pi and put out a Raspberry Pi 5 on that date? I mean, you know. Hey, maybe you'll get one this year. I don't know, but and here's the thing. Like, I have my Raspberry Pi 3 right here running a pie hole. I have my Raspberry Pi 3 in the garage running my Octa print Octopi server. I have my Raspberry Pi 4 with my Ice Tower cooler running the Mumble server doing the show kind of thing. I'll probably still buy another Raspberry Pi. I got a drawer full of Raspberry Pi Zeros, and so I've got a Pi Zero running... Sorry, you just said it. Pi hole. I've got a Pi yeah. Zero running uh, asterisk, and I, I've got a couple other Pi Zero things I want to do, but that, that's what I got going on right now. Right. That's what I got. This is my uh, um, the Odroid N2 Plus. It's a uh, it's a beast. Right. So I mean, I'm sure I'm going to buy another Raspberry Pi, but I'm not sure if the device after that is going to be a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And it's like, you know, you know, and I'll say this, not only did they invent this single board computer system on a chip, you know, mini PC concept, they, they reinvented it because we did have like shoebox computers and small well, computers. We also had pick microcontrollers, they, basic stamps beforehand, true. those types of things. Right, true. And I do think that their form factor helped enable micro satellites, CubeSats. I do believe their technology went into making all that kind of stuff successful. But and same, Singapore missiles. And Singapore missiles. So, but, but at the same token, you know, Creative Labs created the first portable MP3 player. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. The Diamond Rio. <laughs> you don't hear people talk about that. No, everybody thinks the um, first MP, you know, portable music player is, <laughs> is the uh, iPod. No, I had an M-Robe. That was Sony's one before, or yeah, that was Sony's Sony. one before, yeah. Right, and and it's like this. Don't 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 get me wrong. I'm not saying the Raspberry Pi Foundation is going away. We still have record players, okay? We records are coming back for some reason, well, which is not a bad thing. Last USB year record they sold players, yeah. more. They they last year they sold more records than they did CDs for the first time since like 2002 or something like that. Um, but you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, we still have. FM radio. We still have AM radio. Mm -hmm. We still have typewriters. They all still exist. Technology almost never completely vanishes or goes away or companies even go away. I mean, look at IBM. They're still around for God's sake. Um, but I do think that their importance in the community ecosystem will just continue to degrade and erode away um, because of doing things like Baking an IPO, that just, I mean, that just screams we're in it for the money, you know, just they, I can picture Eb just sitting at the strip club, just, you know, throwing hundreds because he can, because he's making money off of all of us, where you have people like Pine 
like really trying to innovate, really trying to get community support, really trying to get people involved, really trying to make things that really change areas. And it's and funny, you, Redaxa, like challenging. Pine and Wise are, are two companies I, I think, I could be completely wrong, but I think are really good companies. And that they're they're trying their oh, yeah. darndest to deliver a product that that's. I'm waiting for the next cool pine board. That's what I've got my eye out for. Yeah, and the next one, the courts um, started to ship strictly in air quotes for developers only, and that's one thing I do like. I like the fact that Pine makes it very clear when stuff is seriously only for developers, or or is it grown up to be a hobbyist kind of thing as well. Um, we have other companies who are really seemingly only worrying about being like commercial ready, commercial viable. Speaking of Pine, I do have an update for my Pine Soul, which is that uh, that uh, soldering iron. It is now clear and has a uh, a little uh, T12 Hako tip on it. Very nice. And it is by far the best soldering iron I have ever had. I put, um, I hook up a, an Acer laptop power brick to it, and it's a 65 watt, pulls 65 watts, solders everything that I want, and it is just super nice. And how much is that? Because I'm going to be doing some soldering soon. I got soldering irons, you know, Radio Shack soldering. 25 bucks. That's, that's killer. 25 bucks. That's a steal. That's a steal. Yeah. I would get it on Amazon for 35 because if you get it from Pine, I literally got this one, let's see, four months after I ordered it. And uh, it said it was lost in the mail. But, uh, yeah, it, it came. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'll say the other reason to order from Amazon, did you hear, they just had like an Amazon conference in air quotes um, like two or three days ago. And did you hear the one thing that Amazon said that they're going to do? No. No. Uh, I believe it's a Swedish company. They're paying a company to build them container ships. So not Jeez. only are not only are they going to you know um, do what they do online, but now they're going to own their own container ships. So they will be look. They got their own airplane. Data is the right. Oh yeah, they're a- a- airplanes and trucks kind of thing. Um, data is the new oil. And it's really hard for a yeah. lot of people to grasp that because of the amount of data they have. They know more about purchasing habits and what people are searching for than anybody. So they're going to be able to prioritize just like right now. If you don't have Amazon Prime, your neighbor does have Amazon Prime. You both order the same thing on the same day. You'll get it in the same day because it's much easier to prioritize everybody to get the, the shipment than to prioritize these people and then under prioritize those other people kind of thing. So now they're going to be able to not only prioritize the last leg of shipping with that, with their riven fleet vehicles, they're going to get not only the middle tier with the planes and the tractor trailers, but now the international shipments are going to be able to prioritize. So expect like next year, that's crazy. Like literally 65 inch TVs on Amazon for like 200 bucks. So you mean I'll never use uh, AliExpress again? Well, funny you said that. A good friend of yours and a good friend of mine, who I'm not going to say his name, drives a truck around and mm. down by he his house. He goes by my damn house. I know. Down by his house to get to the Amazon warehouse, you have to turn on a road called Alibaba Way. 
because Alibaba funny. bought a warehouse and insisted if I'm moving in, you have to change the name of this road. So now to get to the Amazon facility in that town, you have to drive on Alibaba way. Hold on. Where is that Amazon? I know the, the Amazon warehouse, seriously, the main road that's X blocks away from my house, he goes down on a regular basis. Well, then that's the road. Yeah, where AliExpress or Alibaba literally just bought a warehouse there with the arrangement of you have to change the road name. Um, and then just a, a really quick tangent, if you guys don't mind, unless you tell me to say. Um, I actually got to go, so I'll see you guys later. All right, man. Be safe. Fred, I got to reach out to you, buddy. Um, was, Take care. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, have a good night, everybody. Take it easy. Um, the one tangent thing I got to say is as much as I hate everything about like companies like Microsoft or Apple or whatever. I got to once in a while, just be honest. Okay. There's no such thing as purely good or purely evil. Everything is shades of gray. And once in a while, Microsoft does things or Apple does things that are actually good for the community. Um, Microsoft open sourced their VS code server. Um, if you do any text manipulation or code manipulation at all, and you don't know about VS code, Right now, if you just go to vscode.dev in your browser, hit enter, you will launch a truly web-enabled version of Visual Studio Code in your browser that has exact same functionality as what you run on your local desktop. Well, they open source that. And then very, very shortly after that, um, they open sourced it. People figured out how they can get it to run on their own in air quote platform, whether it be AWS or Cloud9 kind of thing. Um, all the code is up on uh, Medium and GitPod kind of thing. Um, it Links will be in the notes. Any day now, you will be able to run this completely locally. What I'm really waiting for is the VS Codium people to take the VS Code and pull out all the Microsoft binary blobs that do all the tracking and communication back with Microsoft and then have the VS Codium to be able to be self-hosted on your own server kind of thing, because I do a lot of text manipulation. Half of it is in Notepad++, half of it is in VS Code, just depends on what I have to do. I just had to mention that because I thought it was shockingly good of them to do. You know, there, there's a couple of questions. Um, I'm, I'm finding I'm not organizing stuff as good as I should, and... I'm thinking of more stuff as code. So as I do redesign stuff on uh, CAD, you know, generate STL files or whatever it may be, I'm like, should I be running a local GitHub repo and just checking all the crap in? So I know what version I'm on. I have a copy of it locally, all of that kind of... Plus, like we just talked about earlier in the show, I've got another dead hard drive. Oh, I threw it in the freezer. Um, right. I, I got to do better on my local backup of, so my, my computers are backed up. I have at least one backup of my computers, but my Raspberry Pi or single board computing infrastructure is not backed up. And some of the stuff is too large to back up, uh, because I'll have, but I do have, I kind of do have a backup, um, because I was kind of migrating uh, my Plex server used to be my, well, originally, well, I think my first Plex server was the Banana Pro M2 that you gave me. Right. And then I switched to the Odroid XU4, and then I switched to the Odroid N2, and now I've switched to my UpSquared board. Um, it, and I still haven't been able to peg the reason why those 
ARM-based solutions stopped working as good as they used to. Um, but I, I think I, I got to get a solution for my ARM backup. And anyhow, I, I got a couple of things going on. Also, it, let's see, what is the file system? What, not, not EXTFS. What, what is the other file system people talk about? FAT32? No, no, no. What modern files? NFS. Not NFS. Um, then you have the um, oh god, the super RAM hungry butter FS. No, no, not butter. Um, like like they use it for oh god, I can't think of the name. Anyhow, I had a VM and it had that file system on it, and I just to double the hard drive size, the storage size. It was like a one line command. I just added another drive to the VM, you know, a virtual drive to the VM, and then oh, like JBot or something. But JFS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So JFS was a one-liner, whereas um, I don't want to say KVM. What is it called uh, where you have virtual drives? I, I got a mental block man, on it. I know. You caught me off guard with that question. So uh, oh, man. it's not – I got KVM mental blocking me right now. It's not <laughs> Yeah, KVM. I know what you mean. It, it, it's where you can easily allocate space and reallocate space. And... Right. So um, – and it's what – VMware uh, bases their VVols on, so it's basically they're they're wrapping that open source code. And and probably if I look at the YouTube chat, somebody's screaming it in the chat. Let's LVM. Thank you, thank you. Biz for the win. <laughs> so LVM, LVM to add another volume. Uh, so JFS was like one a one liner. LVM it, it's a couple lines of code. I, I couldn't believe how easy it was uh, with the JFS. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, just to touch a little bit on news things again, um, I want to say America and the UK are looking at trying to stop the NVIDIA purchase of ARM. I went back and forth on this. Um, part of me wants ARM to be in a company's hand that's going to be around a while. NVIDIA ain't going nowhere. NVIDIA to me has shown that um, they're not, I don't want to say they're not profit driven because of course they're profit driven, but they innovate the hell out of their stuff kind of thing. So I'm almost okay with them doing the ARM thing. And then the other thing is that the new Snapdragon, uh, they've announced a couple new processors, new processor architecture, new processor naming convention uh, in the works. And I can say it like this. I think the latest Apple processors and the latest Google Pixel type processor is making every ARM manufacturer stand up and notice that every time one of these things come out, it eats into our possible sales. So we need to do something. And great. Competition is what makes everybody's computing experience better. So keep at it, Apple. Innovate the M3. Be in the work for the M4 processor. Google Keep working on that Tensor processor. Make sure the Pixel 7, and maybe there's a new Pixel book coming out with another generation of these processors. Keep doing that. Keep pushing these things. Then we're going to have other companies like MediaTek who are also by leaps and bounds trying to get better. And then we have the Risk V people coming up the rear, like faster than ever, gaining ground kind of thing. Um, I do think this coming year in processors, we're going to have another near exponential jump in what to expect, a.k.a. we'll be able to run more desktop-like things even easier on ARM devices. I'm not going to say we're going to get that magical desktop-like experience running 
a lower end arm board, but we will be getting really, really close to it, I believe. Can I pull in, let, let's hit line 38 before, I don't know if you're ready to wrap, but. Sounds good. So, uh, Jeff Greeling, I hate that guy because he does everything I want to do better. So, uh, if he does lots of stuff, man, and his, uh, I like his channel because a, you never know what you're going to see next, but B, when he decides to go on out, he really goes okay. all out. All right. One of the things that I'm a little shocked at, I've never looked at his channel, not meaning I don't watch his videos, but when his videos pop into my queue, I watch them. I went to his channel and I'm like, holy cow, he's got all of this other content. So one word to you folks, if you watch somebody's content and enjoy it, go to their channel and look around because you might be shocked to find out what else is out there. So that being said, he did a video on the Turing Pi 2, and I don't think they talked about the price. I think when he did the video, the price wasn't available. They're talking January 2022 for a cost about $200. Now, I'm assuming that's the bare board. And if it is the bare board, that's still a good deal um, because the Pi modules. So if you get the Pi compute modules in, I think they're like the eight gig versions are 90 bucks a piece. And if that means you're going to have, let, let's just call it a hundred bucks because I'm stupid, a $600 cluster compared to me ad hocking it here. That $600 cluster is a bargain. And even if you still got to buy an ATX case and power supply, it's still a bargain. I, I absolutely agree. Um, the question is, at what price point do you think we're going to hit when I could literally build an ARM system, not going to say cluster, not going to say single process or whatever, just an ARM system that I can put on my desk. And as far as me using it, it's nearly indistinguishable from either a you know $300 computer, $800 computer, or a $1,200 computer. I keep thinking we're going to get the high-end stuff to replicate x86 desktop-like things before we get the lower-end price things fixing mm. it. Only because, only because we're having like this bifurcation of processors important, but video is becoming ever more important of uh, GUI video processors and ARM um, um, now I like processors on the side. I believe we're going to have like a $700 to $900 ARM ecosystem that will literally be able to do, you know, four monitors, 8K, 120 frames a second before the end of 2022, maybe 2023. So I, I've kind of been pondering that today with uh, Apple in the M1 chip. And will there be, because like I've built a number of, Hackintoshes, so generic x86 hardware with, you know, running the Mac OS on it, you know, with some changes. So in there, there's ways of doing it. Is it Tony Mac? Actually, I, have, I used to look at his website regularly. I, I haven't been to Tony Mac in a while. I'm wondering if there's going to be a Mac OS that'll run on a Raspberry Pi because their M1 chip is basically ARM-based. It is, but I mean, here's where the problem with ARM is. The Raspberry Pi has closed-sourced GUI, okay? The the graphics processor is completely closed-sourced, where they also stuck the BIOS in that same place as well, which is weird, which is why we still don't have official um, Android for Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. 
because the video is that important when it comes to this. Uh, people do have Harmony OS running on it, but that's the story. Same thing, I think, when it comes to the Mac ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I believe the most proprietary part of their chip is the graphics engine. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the heat that has been coming out of the M1 chips is not even close to insane, yet the graphics performance is nearly insane. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think it's going to be really difficult for people to backwards engineer the graphics processor to run on something else besides the right. M1 chip. Right. And I think it's going to be cost inefficient. You're going to have to have really powerful hardware. Yes. Tenant. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that for a while. I, uh, I yeah, don't it know. Is it, it's only a matter of time. I, I think it will be a matter of time where somebody comes up with a ARM processor that does most of and will be easily convertible to make a ARM Hackintosh in the future. I agree. Very cool. Uh, looks like we've been going for just about an hour, Rich. Um, in the notes, there were a couple other things I'll say that I think were interesting. In the same way, like how I used to think a VCR DVD TV combo was interesting, mm-hmm. but you know, in hindsight, who the hell would buy that? What's wrong with you? Um, La, um, La, uh, Novo is looking at making what they call a ThinkPad Plus line 29 in the notes. And this caught my eye. If I was a creative type, I would seriously think about looking at this device. It's a large Lenovo laptop with built in the 17 inch. Built into the side of the keyboard is basically a second screen hmm. that's also a drawing tablet. I thought that was at least and interesting. You'd have to be creative and right-handed. Well, I'm right-handed, so I guess I got that going for me. Um, but I'm also, I know I can't, I mean, I honestly think, hypothetically, if I got, like, the right inadequate medication, I didn't listen to, you know, 30 hours of podcast a day, and I would sit in a corner, I could probably maybe draw something pretty, <laughs> but it would take a little bit of time. Um, I just thought this was interesting. I like seeing companies try different things. Lenovo is one of those companies that I do feel like is at least trying different hardware form factors. And with all that said, in hindsight, I think they they, they won't even make a second or third version of this laptop because I don't think it's going to sell at all. I think it's cool. Like like you said, uh, who was the one that had like the gaming laptop with fold-out screens and then it got stolen and stuff like that? I want to say it was the Asus was Rock Asus? or something like yeah. that. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's cool. Chatter on the wire, all right, I, I got to call him out. I definitely want him as a neighbor if I get to pick neighbors sometime so it's when we're in the what is it the metaverse i can pick i'm not doing right. that it's not going to happen but well, I, I would pick Fids is my neighbor okay and red um yeah i'm not doing the meta anyway it's not worth it um kind of thing um okay there was i want to say oh well, um wait, one more thing before we we go off lenovo is um I if you don't watch Lewis Rossman, um, definitely check him out. Lewis Rossman is one of the guys. He he he's in New York City. Of course, I've got a love for people from New York that talk like Lewis Rossman. Um, Lewis does chip level repair on Macintoshes, and he's you know Macintoshes strangling the supply of parts, repair parts. It, all right, so I was at. What what is the word? The something bar. I'm waiting for somebody to say it. Genius. <gasps> yes. Um, and the guy across the table from me had a newer M1 Mac or whatever. Dropped it a specific certain way, 
and the cable came off something and it didn't work. And he was happy. He said, I'm listening to this like in the best Picard face palm ever. They opened the case with, I guess, the pentalobe screwdriver that, you know, you have to special order from somewhere. I got one now. Charged him $700 to reattach the cable. And he said he was okay with that because he made a lot of money on the Apple stock he bought. Lewis Crossman in New York City, I've seen the videos. Somebody comes in with that. He opens it up, snaps the cable on, tells him to leave and have a nice day. Or if the pin is bent, he'll unplug it, bend the pin right, put it back in, say, hey, look, it'll work. I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee this. I'm doing this for you for free. If you want, come back when it breaks for real, and I will replace that connector. It may work. I'm not guaranteeing it. You know, and, and he says he's now Lewis has moved locations and he says he's going out of business because of, you know, location, location, location. So he's got issues with that. Uh, but he said all of the repairs he's done for free have always been like the best either PR or the people remember and come back to him because they want him to service his their Macs or their their products in the future. Yeah, I mean, generosity is the best way to spread word of mouth. Oh, and there yeah. is no advertising or marketing campaign that can ever even remotely come close to touching the effectiveness of word of mouth. And, and Lewis has a killer YouTube channel. I, I'm hoping he's making killer revenue on that. Um, not many people are making killer revenue on YouTube, so I hope he is. Some people are. Not, not me. Well, they're also burning themselves out to where... You know, they're on the verge of suicide because, you know, you can't slow down. You can't stop. Well, in the YouTube world, we call it feeding the monster. You got to keep feeding the monster content. That's, a, I think, what we call heroin addicts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something like that. Um, okay. Um, I will say there was more things in the notes. Uh, the two things I wanted to mention super quick off tangent is we mentioned, I mentioned about desktop-like operating systems on Raspberry Pis or Raspberry Pi form factor computers, and especially video playback. It seems to me that it seems to be that nobody is getting close to the performance of the Chromium OS builds for Raspberry Pis, and I want to say it's called the FIDE OS, F-Y-D-E, which is the Chinese-based uh, Chromium uh, OS type thing where you can pay as a service keep all your things in the cloud and easily migrate from uh, instance to instance kind of thing. Um, and they did just add in the Chromium OS for Raspberry Pi, the ability to install Linux apps via the command line and install Linux GUI apps and run them just like their native apps on the operating system. Um, there is a touch of lag the first time you launch it, which is to be expected when you launch a container. That's what they're mm -hmm. doing. Um, yeah, and that's you what your demand... Chromebook does. Like if you type SSH, blah, you're launching a Linux container. Exactly right. Um, and so if you demand a desktop-like experience, maybe you should demand a Chrome OS-like experience on your Raspberry Pi, and you'll be happy. Very cool. Um, okay, Rich, I think we definitely had some good stuff today. Uh, I was really happy to see Brett between me yes. and you. I think yeah. it looks really good. Yeah, I, I was excited to see Brett, too. Yeah. Um, is there any place people should go uh, to easily catch up with you? Well, heck yeah. So uh, flyingrich.com, uh, which got, I don't might have gotten a revamp since last time we talked. Uh, YouTube.com slash flyingrich. I'm also on other video services under flyingrich, so Utreon, um, Gunstreamer, all sorts of places. 
Uh, also on the gram, so Instagram, uh, me and BW, I'm sorry, uh, Chatter on the Wire are, are friends on the grams. And so Instagram, I'm playing rich underscore official. Very cool, very cool. Uh, if you would like to support this show, it's very easy. Patreon.com slash the mini PC show. If you would like to send us an email, equally easy, mini PC at podnuts.com. Uh, in the notes, we do have links to like Discord server and Matter. Matter what it's called now, the, uh, the Twitter like clone. What the stupid um, um, elephant stuff? Oh, 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 mastodon, mastodon. Thank you very much. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm getting old, is what I want to say. Oh, um, you know what it is? I, I am no, on there. they're back in back when we were kids. You had the dial-up phone in the corner, and you had to stand next to it. And now there's million different ways to make a phone call. Yeah, and um, some of them fade away, and some of them mm-hmm. are spring up again. Yes. Um, I will say, um, you know, I'm trying. Uh, you know. I will keep trying to keep putting out content as much as I can. Uh, feedback and emails um, will, I'll just say, help me to try to keep doing better kind of thing. And any chance I get to hang out with someone like Brett or Rich definitely helps. Um, yes, you do. I want to thank everyone. Uh, man. Um, thanks, everyone, for coming out. Thanks, everyone, for downloading. Thanks, everyone, for subscribing. Thanks, everyone, for the support. Thanks, everyone, for the continued support. Thank and you, never people. forget, it's always good to hang around and have big talk about little machines yep all right guys i love you i'll talk to you later hi this is matt from the mrp tech podcast i would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show the mrp tech podcast on the Podnuts network the theme for my show is everyday tech for everyday people we talk about windows mac linux ios android chrome os and anything else technology related you can find us on itunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.